There's a promised land made for all the free when our race on earth is run. Where no broken dreams will mar our memory, it will be worth it all when we get home. It will be worth it all just to see His face since He's claimed us for His own. We'll have ten million years to sing amazing grace. It will be worth it all when we get home. There'll be no sad farewells, no more tear-stained eyes, no heartache, grief, or woe. No shattered hopes will ever cloud the skies. It will be worth it all when we get home. It will be worth it all just to see His face since He's claimed us for His own. We'll have ten million years to sing amazing grace. It will be worth it all when we get home. Yes, it will be worth it all when we see Jesus. Life's trials will seem so small when we see Christ. One glimpse of His dear face, all sorrow will erase. So bravely run the race till we see Christ. Amen. Thank you, Bruce and Diane and all the music. Amen. What a blessing. What a blessing. And, of course, I couldn't help but think about our dear sister Alicia who's gone to be with the Lord and the memorial uh, service that we had yesterday. What a blessing that was. Amen. And uh, just, it will be worth it all when we see Christ. It's one of my favorite songs. You mark it down. It will be worth it all when you see Jesus. Just remember that. Amen. Oh, thank you for coming this morning. It's good to have Nanelle with us this morning, all the way from Iowa. She was at the memorial yesterday and others here this morning. I trust that God will work in our hearts. Turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. We are going to be looking at the fifth illustration of the six here on the Sermon on the Mount. We've been in the Sermon on the Mount for a few months now. And in the life of Christ, as he preaches this message in his second year of ministry. And I was thinking about, you know, how you go through the Bible. And as a pastor, what we 
we chew on as a congregation and truly there's various meals that we can have. I read through the Bible every year and that is a quick digestion, if you could say that. And then I go to Brother Turner's Sunday school and it's chewing on a steak and uh, continuing to chew on this steak and taking a swallow every month, all right? And then you get another bite and you chew on it. And then as a pastor here in our church, as far as unfolding those things that we need to walk in our lives on a daily basis. And I can't help but think of any greater series than what we're doing right now, and that is the life of Christ, and primarily the most important sermon that was ever preached, It is the Sermon on the Mount. It covers every aspect of our lives. And so as we get into this fifth, you have heard it said, but I say unto you, we go into the second mile. The second mile. How many have heard about the second mile? Couple. What does it mean to go the second mile? I want to ask you this question this morning. Are you second mile Christians? Or you say, Pastor, tell me what a second mile Christian is. I'm glad you asked. All right. Well, first of all, guess what? You must go the first mile. So what I'm going to bring this down, and as we read here, I'm going to talk about the first mile and then the second mile. And I'm not sure that the Lord was intending it to be broken down that way, but that's the way that that I have seen it this morning and in preparation for this message. And as I was thinking this morning, I don't know, I don't know about you, but God gets a hold of my heart so often in that what an insult it is to our holy Heavenly Father, who sent His Son to die on the cross so that we could be born again, become a part of His family, to have heaven as our home, and not to live for Him. And not to reflect Him in our lives. Do you know that's what bringing glory to the Lord is, is to reflect who God is. And I don't want to insult His character by not living up to the standard. And Jesus Christ is bringing out here a standard in our lives, not just what you've heard said, not just following a bunch of rules and regulations, but allowing your heart to be a part of the process of going this second mile. All right, let's begin reading, if we would, in uh, verse 38. You've heard that it's been said... An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But I say unto you that ye resist not evil. But whosoever shall smite thee on thy right cheek, turn to him the other also. You say, I knew that was in the Bible someplace. Well, here it is in the Sermon on the Mount. And if any man will sue thee at the law... And take away thy coat, let him have thy cloak also. And whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain. Give to him that asks thee, and from him that would borrow of thee, turn thou 
not away. Father, I pray that as we get into this message that you'll work in our hearts. Lord, help us to ask ourselves, are we second-mile Christians willing to to, uh, go those ways? And so help us understand in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to try to run through this as quickly as I can because I'd really like to finish both of this, the first mile and the second mile. Understand is when you read this, and I want to say this right at the beginning, this is personal. Does that make sense? This is personal. You can see that it's personal because he says, turn the other cheek. He says, if they ask your coat or cloak, give it to them. And you to go that second mile. So this is not governmental or institutional. Does that make sense? Because people have used this scripture out of context and they miss what Jesus has said. In fact, that's what he's trying to do. He's trying to correct those wrongdoings. Jesus Christ did not come to do away with the law, but to fulfill the law. And he says as he starts this section that he is he is not going to, not one jot or tittle is going to be done away with the law. So as we go back in the Old Testament, we discover that there was the institution, there was the governmental regulations on Israel and the law that they were given, their constitution, to give an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, a hand for a hand, a foot for a foot, a a breach for, I thought a beach for a beach, that sounds even better, doesn't it? An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, and as he has caused a blemish in a man, so shall it be done to him again. And uh, in Deuteronomy uh, 19.21, Thine eye shall not pity, but life shall go for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot. Now, the reason he is giving that is because that is institutional. That is government. All right? So understand that Jesus is not doing away with capital punishment. He's not doing away with doing service or doing uh, paying for the crime. Does that make sense? We need to understand this. He's not trying to do away with that. There was rules. There was was all these things. And also, he's trying to put in here a concept. What do you think the concept is? The crime that has been committed has an equal punishment. Does that make sense? All right. Because it would be very easy. Hey, you did this. I'm going to seek revenge and I'm going to go after you. Understand that... uh, as he's getting into this, that uh, he's going to, in this first mile, if I could say it, the description of this first mile is not doing away with the law, but it's doing away with personal hurt. Okay? So if someone has hurt me personally, then I'm not necessarily to retaliate. However... The Bible says you do unto others that you would not done to yourself. And so if there is a crime, and so understand this, if there is a crime and that crime has been committed against you, you would not want that crime to be committed to someone else. Therefore, you deal with it. Does that make sense? That's a good balance because we can become out of balance. Well, this guy killed somebody and I, I better just keep my mouth shut. No, you wouldn't want him to kill somebody else. You wouldn't want a child molester to molest somebody else. You want people to pay for their crimes and understand that. So this is the balance that's trying to be brought out here. 
And in fact, there in Deuteronomy 19, uh, he's, he's talking about there, uh, about a person. Uh, and we talked about this last week because we were talking about oaths last week and, and swearing and, and uh, vows and, and pledges and things like that. Uh, and, and, and here we use that passage last week where a person would come alongside another. And let's say I was going to help Don uh, deceive somebody else. And so we got our stories together, collaborated. And so we're going to go out and hurt uh, Don. And in this passage, it says, hey, listen, you bring this matter before the priests who are to judge these matters. And it says, then shall ye do unto him, that person that collaborated, you do unto that person as he had thought to do unto this person. So here in my responsibility that even in collaborating, maybe I did not do something, but I wanted hurt to come to Donna. Therefore, that hurt is going to come to me. All right, so here is the principles of the law. And Jesus Christ is saying, you've heard it said this way. And then verse 20, it says, And those which remain shall hear and fear and shall henceforth commit no more any such evil among you. Do we understand the principle that if evil is not handled quickly, evil will spread? How foolish it is for us to think live and let live when it comes to crimes and the, the wrong aspects of, of things. Um, in uh, uh, Deuteronomy, though, it says vengeance belongs to the Lord and recompense. In other words, God will repay. So in this first mile, I understand, first of all, I got to get this straight in the context that he's not dealing with corporate or, or uh, other issues. We, we understand there's church discipline that takes place. We see Jesus Christ throwing out the money changers out of the temples. I mean, you see, you have to take the whole Bible and put it together so you don't just take out of context. But he's talking about here the hurt that you have or that you want to take vengeance. You'll see in the Old Testament that he would establish the cities of refuge so that uh, justice could be taking place because people would start taking justice in their own hands. People want to take vengeance. And if I'm going to go the first mile and someone hurts me personally, and we're not talking about crimes per se here, but we're talking about personal hurt. And we've talked about forgiving. We've talked about going on in our lives and let God deal with it. Is God big enough to deal with anything that comes in your life? Yes or no? And so we leave it, we put it in God's hands. And, and maybe you're coming up with some questions, and, and I'll have some questions too. Where does, where does this boundary come, you know? And I'm sure it's sometimes difficult to understand that boundary. I had to make a decision this week of where that boundary was, knowing I was preaching on this. And as God has given to us His Holy Spirit, He can lead us and guide us in making the right decisions. Is that not correct? And we need to be Spirit-led in these, these types of uh, decisions. In uh, Luke uh, 18, 2-3, what we find is that the Pharisees had taken this law... And they they twisted the law. And in fact, oftentimes, they would do things based on what they wanted to do rather than on the purity of the law. So they would say, all right, uh, tooth's been knocked out. And they'll say, hmm, I wonder how many, how many teeth I'm going to knock out of you. 
you see. And then in this story here in Luke chapter 18, it says, saying there was a, a, a city, a judge who did not fear God. Do you think there are judges that do not fear God? There's a few of them on the Supreme Court. Neither regarded man. We understand that law is only as good as those who operate it. Are there inconsistencies in the laws today? Sure. And there was this widow who came, and, and the Lord's giving out this, this illustration here and the, the aspect of fervent prayer and continuing to pursuing things. So he's not doing away with the law, but he's given the idea that in this legal system, this is a parable, there was a widow in that city, and she came unto him and saying, Avenge me of mine adversaries. Now, the Lord is using this as an illustration here to understand the judicial system. And God has got a judicial system because he is the judge of all. And someday we will be judged. You know, so many times people talk about the injustice and how God can put up with injustice. Can I say this? God never puts up with injustice because eternity is coming. Right or wrong? We have to understand that. But so many people are so caught up with here. And sometimes as born again believers, we're so caught up and we're so wrapped up in our problems here that we don't go this first mile of, of allowing hurt to come into our lives and, and forgiveness and allowing God to do what He would, would, would accomplish. I've, we've told stories about when we were buying the property and the situation there and how uh, the folks wanted to, to create some hurt and they didn't want uh, this to, to, to take place. And so we just gave it to the Lord. I say, we just gave it to the Lord. That sounds a little trite, doesn't it? You know, finally, I, I hear people say, well, we finally prayed about it. You know how often it would be better for us to pray before the situation got so so tough and so out of out of line. So this passage here is not talking about pacifism. There's actually a book called War and Peace that was written to do away with, uh, with capital punishment, to do away with police. To do away with soldiers, magistrates, judges, law courts, and even spanking our children. There's a concept today, and they've gone to this verse. But this is not what it's talking about. In Ecclesiastes 8.11, Because sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily, therefore the heart of the sons of men is fully set in them to do evil. You need to remember where Ecclesiastes is, 8, verse 17. So as the Scriptures brings this out, and just in the New Testament, understand that God has ordained government. Now, I'm saying that because we're coming up on tax time. Does the government have the right to tax its citizens? Yes or no? Yes. And as citizens, should we pay our taxes? By the way, should we obey our government? Absolutely. Absolutely. Here's a wonderful principle. Until the government were to tell us to do something that would violate our faith, because we never violate our relationship with the Lord. And you know what? Our country understood that. And that's why they put in the First Amendment. Praise God for that. Not always in every country is it like that. For He is the minister of God, talking about the government, to thee for what? Good. Amen. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid. 
For he beareth not the sword in vain. For he is that minister of God. This is talking about the government uh, rulers. And at this time, it was the Roman Empire. A revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. The government is to do good and to do justice. And we should pray for our government, right or wrong. The Bible says pray for those that have the rule over you that you might live in peace with them. In uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king as supreme or unto governors, as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well. And so we see this and get an understanding the context here so that we catch on what this first mile is. It is not doing away with government. It's doing away with personal rights and submitting ourselves to authority and even submitting ourselves to oftentimes the hurts that come in our lives. I'm sure everybody in this room has been hurt at times. We need to pray and ask God how he would have us do this. By the way, as these verses that I've read, we need to understand that prison was meant to be punishment. It was not meant to be correction. By the way, the only way a man's heart can be corrected is through God. Corrected from the sin that man has. Man is born a sinner. And God has a punishment for our sins, which is eternity. But he gives us a way to escape, and that is through accepting Jesus Christ as our Savior. And praise the Lord for that, because he took our place. Um, Punishment, and even as we read there in Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 8, is that the punishment that comes upon people is so that other people can be warned. And not go those same ways. As we take away from punishment, as we take away from the consequences of wrongdoing, guess what's going to happen to the wrongdoings? Is it going to get smaller or larger? You see, our concept is changing. Do we have more crimes and things going on today than we used to have? Understand the concepts have changed. So, this isn't, say... Love your enemies and uh, give them bioweapons. I wish people will understand that. All right, so these are the principles that are brought out here. And it's the right attitude. It's the denial of self. It's being spirit-led. The natural man wants to retaliate. The natural man wants to, to get angry when things happen against us. Our dignity, our pride... Our self-defense starts coming to the forefront. You all know what I mean? When someone does something, it's, it's oftentimes we retaliate or whatever because of pride and wanting to seek revenge or to get the last word. These are the characteristics of the natural man. We need to ask God to help us in these times. Uh, in Moses, do you think Moses had reasons to get upset? He sure did. And I want to bring this out. 
Because I think all of us, we've, we started with anger in this, uh, what you've heard it said. But understand here, Moses and Garrett gathered the congregations together before uh, the rock. This is, by the way, the second time, all right? And, and, and he said unto them, Here now, you rebels! Sounds like sometimes preachers could get that way, couldn't it? And sometimes there's strong rebuke, as the Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 4. Must we fetch you water out of this rock? You see, Moses just seems to be a little bit out of character here, doesn't he? And Moses lifted up his hands and, and he smote the rock twice. And the, the water came out. Y'all catch that? What did God say to do to the rock? Speak to it. Is there much difference between speaking and, and striking? <laughs> really? Really? How would you know the difference? <laughs> You'd have to hear what God said. You need to be spirit-led. Do you get me what I'm saying? You've got to be spirit-led. He goes in the flesh, as many of us have done this at times. He lifted up the rod, he spoke the rod in the water. He, God, even though Moses didn't do what he was supposed to do, the way he was supposed to do this, the water came out abundantly. And they drank. And their beast also. Now, wouldn't you like that to be the end of the chapter? But it's not. In verse uh, 12, And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron, Because ye believed me not to sanctify me in the eyes of the children of Israel, therefore you shall not bring this congregation to the land which I have given them. I don't know about you, but this stops me in my tracks. And God's been trying to get my attention about this. It's so easy for us to complain. It's so easy for us to go in the flesh. But understand, God has a plan and we need to follow His plan. And to go the first mile means to humble ourselves so often and not let pride come up and say, I didn't get my way in this. And submit ourselves to God's divine plans. Amen to that? You know what's so tragic in my devotion? Some of you reading Bible passages and through the year, uh, uh, Bible through a year, uh, through the year, uh, and you've just finished Deuteronomy. I just finished Deuteronomy, and guess what I read? The fulfillment of this verse. And, and we're talking about how many years uh, later was it? I don't know how many years later it was. But God says, you're not going to go in the promised land. And I just read. And I, as I'm reading, I says, oh, God, well, he's such a great servant. In fact, he's found in Hebrews chapter 11, isn't he? Why couldn't he go in? Because God said it. And God is the ultimate judge. And yet I have people not even go on the mile with God. And they point their finger at God in their anger and bitterness. Of what's going on in their lives. 
Do we see the holiness of God? Do we see the sovereignty of God? To go that first mile, we've got to put ourselves on the altar and submit to what God wants us to do. Praise God for that. By the way, uh, Paul had to do this. You know, he said, man, I'm an apostle. Ha! I'm free. I have I've seen Jesus and and, and I'm working for the Lord. And and uh, we've got, uh, uh, you know, we had this power. And uh, have we not power to lead about a sister and a wife and 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 other apostles and and brethren? And man, we've got all these rights and we got all this relationship and we're pretty good people. And I and Barnabas have not we the power to forbear working If others be partakers of this power over you, are not we rather? Nevertheless, we have not used this power, but suffer all things, lest we should hinder the gospel of Christ. Now that's coming from Paul. From the great examples. He says, we didn't take our rights We didn't take just whatever thing we could get. We submitted ourselves and we listened to what God wanted us to do. All right. You got the first mile? Where are you on that first mile? Well, and by the way, a mile for the Romans was not as far, Brother Doug, as a real mile. It was only like uh, 1,500 yards. All right. And a real mile today is 1,760 yards. Right? All you math experts out there, Kelly's nodding his head, so I know we must be right on that one. All right. So, so how far am I going down this road? Have I surrendered to what God has for me? And he says here, resist not evil, verse 39. But I say unto you, this, uh, resist not evil. This is personal. This is personal, all right? Uh, but uh, then he goes in and... and uh, And he says uh, uh, that ye uh, resist not evil. So talking about personal, because he's going to now talk about the smiting on the cheek, the suing, and the second mile. All right, so let's look at those things. And by the way, there's there's a dying to self here. You belong to God. You need to be spirit-led. And there are principles being brought out here now to help us to understand this second mile. What does it look like? And am I going there very well? Oops. Just the wrong button there. All right. Acts uh, 23, 1 through 5. Paul didn't always go the second mile. Remember this story where he, uh, uh, the high priest in verse 2 says, commanded them that stood by him to smite uh, Paul on the mouth. Remember that story? I remember that story. <laughs> Smiting the other cheek. And Paul was smitten on the other cheek. Notice what Paul said. He says, God shall smite thee, thy whited wall. How many many have lashed out after somebody has said something to you? So understand, I'm bringing this out to bring us all comfort that here, this great example of Paul, he had his days as well. How many have your days? Weeks, (laughs) months, years? For sittest thou to judge me after the law? I mean, we just heard that other. Now listen to him. And commandest me to be smitten contrary to the law. By the way, it was contrary to the law, and Paul knew it. And they that stood by said, Revilest thou God's high priest? Then said Paul, I didn't know 
that he was the high priest. For as written, thou shalt not speak evil of the ruler of thy people. Mm. I've said it time and time again. We need to be careful about our speech. You get it? All right. So now, Paul got smit on the cheek. Did he turn the other cheek? Not really. And by the way, if someone smites me on the other cheek, guess what I want to do? I want to smack him back. And if he's bigger than me, I'm going to run. <laughs> I remember one time we were at a, an auction. And uh, this big dude, he, he started... Um, messing with my mind and saying belittling things. And so I smacked him. And he smacked me back. My, my brother was there and I thought my brother would stand up for me. And I says, come on, help me. He says, you started it. <laughs> All right. Smacking on the cheek. Understand that this is against your dignity. Understand that? This is against your dignity. In the Jewish culture, someone comes up and smacks you on the face. By the way, we say that today, and we say, well, that was a slap in the face. Isn't that what we say today? Which is a, a, an insult to your integrity, to your dignity, a demeaning aspect of a slap on the face. Now, so what does it mean to go this second mile? And I think that's what's being brought out here. And Jesus Christ is a great example of this. For what glory is it if when we are buffeted for faults now, he's not talking about you deserved it. You know, don't let your children come up and say, well, doesn't the Bible say, you know, uh, uh, turn the other cheek? Yeah, well, as parents, we could say turn the other cheek, couldn't we? Uh, but uh, uh, ye shall take it patiently. In other words, if you're at, all, at wrong, there's the penalty. But if when you do well and you suffer for it, you take it patiently, this is acceptable with God. Now, that's an interesting passage. For even... Hereunto were you called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow his steps. Who did no sin? Neither was guile found in his mouth. Who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. And when he suffered, he threatened not and committed himself to him that judges righteously. You ought to underline verse 23. Understand that when they smote Jesus, they were smiting the face of God, the creator of the universe. I don't know about you, but that's not a wise thing to do. And when Jesus hung there on the cross and they reviled him and they spit upon him. What did he say? Father, forgive them. Is it easy to be a Christian? With God's help, we can come to those places. And here in this passage is such an important principle. He committed himself to him that judges rightly. 
Can I say, as God says, don't take vengeance. Leave it in God's hand, whatever God would do. You know, sometimes uh, we, we read that passage that, uh, you, you know, go show kindness to those that despitefully use you and you'll heap coals of fire upon their head. I've heard one preacher says, yeah, let's burn their heads off. That's not the interpretation. It's not saying, okay, God, I'm going to turn over your hand, but make sure you deal with them. Because God might just challenge your heart and not deal with them. And he might even give them even greater things. And you're the loser in this because your heart has not been brought into the right relationship with him. How much does anger uh, hurt God's children, hurt our testimony uh, these actions. And by the way, uh, this is uh, God starts with these before this uh, session here. He deals with the Beatitudes and he talks about poor in spirit and talking about esteeming others. And uh, the Bible talks about a strong man being able to rule uh, his spirit is, is greater than a man who can rule a city when things come our way. May God help us. To know how to respond. And I dare say, it's got to be there before the wrong comes. It usually doesn't develop in the midst of the battle. You need to make up your mind, and I need to make up my mind, how I'm going to respond. There was a fellow by the name of Billy Bray. He was a Scottish, now I'm going to say this word, you correct me if I said it wrong, a pugilist. Pugilist. There you go. Donna knows that word because she was a pugilist, right? How many have heard that word before? Oh, man. How come I'm so stupid? I, and, and, and someone had heard that he'd gotten saved. He, he, was a, he was a renowned fighter and a good fighter. Hadn't lost, I don't think. And someone heard that he was a Christian and came up and smacked him to see how he would respond. Now, you can imagine if someone has earned a living in this, how easily it would have been responded. This is what he said, though. May God forgive you as I forgive you. That is the start of an example of a second mile. Not rendering evil for evil, but rendering what? Good for evil. See, what we talked about in this first mile is not retaliation and all those kinds of things and, and all. But the second mile now is to go and to render good to the person rather than just keeping quiet or keeping to yourself. That, my friends, is quite a step for many of us. Hudson Taylor, he was getting on a boat in China and a wealthy Chinese man came and knocked him down, didn't recognize him as a foreigner because you would never have done that back in his time because foreigners were highly respected. But this businessman saw him in the Chinese garb, just knocked him down to get on the ferry to go across the way. And the boatman says, hey, he says, you just knocked down Hudson Taylor. And the rich businessman uh, didn't realize it. And the boatman says, I'm not taking you on this ferry across the river. I've come here to pick up Hudson Taylor. Hudson Taylor picked himself up off the ground and he says, will you come with me on this ferry together? And guess what happened to the rich Chinese businessman? He accepted the Lord as his Savior. That's going the second mile. It's not just not striking back. 
It's the turning of the other cheek. It is actually here the idea of uh, of uh, giving. Uh, if someone wants your your cloak, or uh, what does it say in verse? Uh, uh, they sue thee and they take your coat, which uh, in uh, as I understand. Uh, under the law, they could not take your coat, but they could take your undercoat, if you would say a shirt or something like that. Because if they took your coat, the outer garments, that they had to return it by nighttime so that the person wouldn't freeze to death. You see what I'm saying? I mean, this, the garments were very important to people. And so what they're saying here is that if, uh, if you're in a, in a court of law, that they take your, your, your shirt off your back, that you offer them the security of your coat as well. Boy, those are interesting principles that's being brought out here by the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, understand that there's a balance here. Uh, and and we've, we've looked at these before, but talking about if a brother trespass against thee, talking about making things right with your brother, understand that, that this is not dealing with sin and things that need to be dealt with. You know, you go and you establish truth and you deal with things. In John chapter uh, 18, uh, it uh, talks about there uh, that uh, one, one officer struck Jesus with a palm of his hand, he says, Answers thou the high priest? In other words, Jesus had been silent. And the high priest smacks Jesus. And Jesus answered him, If I have spoken evil, bear witness of the evil. But if well, why smitest thou me? So there is an integrity here before others that is being exemplified by the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, well, pastor, this causes confusion. It does. It really does sometimes. That's why you need to be spirit-led. Because sometimes you need to keep your mouth shut. And sometimes you need to say things. You will say, well, tell me how to do that. Be spirit-led. Can I hear someone else say that? Be spirit-led. And God will help you to go the second mile. The laws are upheld. But personal rights are surrendered. Personal rights are surrendered. So let's go to the last one in which it is the second mile here. Understand that about 10 years before this event of being written here, the Roman government had issued a decree that a Roman soldier, when coming through a community of a conquered citizen, that that Roman soldier had the right to ask someone to carry their bags one mile. Okay, no further than that, though. All right. So the Romans had the rules that if I came in and uh, I saw Donna there, I say, Donna, you pick up my bags and carry them for me for one mile. She would be under the law to do so. Now, when I think about that, a couple things. Here are the conquerors demanding you to carry the bags. And let's say that Dada was going to work. And it was very inconvenient to do so. You see what's happening here? What would she have to do? Under the law, she would have to carry his bags. Now, if it was me, you know what I'd do? If I saw a Roman soldier coming into the community, I would take a roundabout way to get to work. Isn't that right? I mean, that's our human nature. Let's escape the responsibilities they have. And 
If Donna was taking the soldier uh, bags, yeah, he might make you carry the soldier too. Now, carrying these bags, and here's the strapping soldier, and here's poor weak Donna carrying these bags. What do you think her attitude might be? And when you come to the end of that first mile, what do you think your attitude would be? I'm done. I'm done. I fulfilled my obligation. Go in the second mile. Go in the second mile is hopefully Donna would have surrendered. I'm picking on Donna this morning, and we truly this isn't Donna, but uh, but truly it would be I surrender all, all to Jesus. However the song goes, I surrender. Oh, do you see how your pride, your dignity, all these things can come in that you wouldn't go the second mile? God, help me to change my attitude. Have you ever had to pray that? God, help me change my attitude. You know, as we get into a, uh, in a building, Lord, help me to change my attitude on the second mile. I surrender all. Hey, would it be all right... If I carried them one more mile, what do you think the soldier would think? There's something different about you. And guess what you'd be able to do the second mile? You'd be able to witness to them because you carried the bags now the second mile. May God help us to understand what this second mile is. Uh, just real quickly, if you turn over to Luke chapter 17 and, and, uh, and throw this in here, uh, and not, not just to throw it in, but, but also to gain ownership of this too. And I may, I may God help us with this to understand. You know what? We have second mile Christians here at Westside Baptist Church. I thank the Lord. Not everybody. I'm not even sure that I'm a second mile Christian, but I run into second mile Christians and I am so thrilled with people who will say, we'll be there at nine o'clock to help make this funeral or this memorial a success. We'll put away our privileges and our getting up times and things like that so we can help with situations. When we borrow something, we're going to take it back and bring it back better than it was. Verse 7 of Luke chapter 17. But which of you having a servant plowing and feeding cattle will say unto him by and by when is come from the field. This is Luke 17, 7. Go and sit down to meet. And verse 8 says, And will not rather say unto him, Make ready wherein I may sup and gird thyself and serve me till I have eaten and drunk. And afterwards thou hast eaten and drinken. Doth he think that his servant, because he did the things that were commanded him, that he, uh, that he, that, that he was done good? So likewise ye, when ye shall have done all those things which are commanded you, say, we are unprofitable servants, we have done that which was our duty to do. Did you catch on what it just said? It says, if all I'm going through life is just getting what I have to do at the workplace, I'm going to be the employee that they want me to be. Then he says, you've just fulfilled your duty and you are actually an unprofitable servant. God is looking for those who will go the second mile. Praise God for that, huh? 
Acts there about uh, situations and other verses. Why don't we pray? Our time is gone. Father, I pray that you'll help us as we finish up now here. And and time has has sped away this morning, Uh, but so much information. Lord, as we understand this first mile is coming to that place where we surrender. We get rid of our pride. We get rid of our, 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 our indignations. And we come to those places that we learn to forgive. And, and, Lord, understand that life is not about us. We've been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God with everything about our lives. To be that kind of Christian who doesn't just kick and scream because of the struggles that he's going through. But then to go the second mile. Is actually to go beyond the call of duty. Lord, I pray that when people have jobs to do in the workplace, or young people have school to do, or they're on a football team, or they're a janitor at a church, or they're involved in teaching Sunday school, or as a preacher of the church, it's not just preaching a message, or it's not just getting by. God, give us a heart to serve you in the second mile of our journey. Help us to be second mile Christians. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Three things here. Number one, you've got to be born again to get on this journey. Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior? Has God saved you? Yes or no? That's a simple question. Are you going to heaven when you die? Yes or no? If you cannot say yes, then why not today make sure of your eternal destiny? We're going to have an invitation and ask you to come or speak with us during this invitation or after the invitation to get things settled with God. Secondly, how well do you do on the first mile? Has God spoke to your heart about taking care of some things and you sense that pride has entered in and you have allowed the failure of your steps in the first mile? And then, how are we doing on the second mile? I pray God would speak to all of our hearts this morning. I pray that He speak to my heart because I'm going to tell you something. We are a me-centered Uh, 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 citizenship here in America and God wants us to put aside ourselves become living sacrifices so that we'll go the second mile and it does cost to go the second mile so help us on our decisions oh God prick our hearts we're not here just to hear about a story we're here to learn God's word and what you have for us it is my prayer that this preacher will learn that second mile. Lord, you spoke to my heart in preparation for this. I pray that, Lord, we'll just do business with you and we'll be doers of the word. In Jesus' name, amen.